Welcome back to another episode of the Jacob Johnston Show. So I'm going to let you know up front, this episode is going to be a little difficult for me to be able to get through with any type of energy. I am tired. You know, I have kids that are keeping me up late and then they're waking up early, making it very hard to find a good time to be able to record. But also, I'm going to be going in and getting some surgery done on my eyes. And as a result, I'm not able to wear my contacts. And I'm just not used to wearing glasses anymore. And so wearing glasses for the past couple of days, as I'm getting ready to go in and get some eye surgery done, these glasses are giving me a massive headache. You know, it's creating pressure on my nose. And so I am just not feeling like I am in tip top shape. So it makes me kind of concerned about what type of quality this episode is going to be. But on the plus side, I have the acoustics finished in my studio. So I'm getting a lot better quality audio than what I normally get. So take the good with the bad, right? Okay, so enough of that. Let's go ahead and get into today's episode. So the first article that I'm going to go ahead and talk about, you can file under completely useless. And that is Georgia's GOP passes resolution to censure Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger. Ooh, they censured someone. Oh my, they act like they actually did something. Now, the resolution to censure Raffensperger cited him for entering into the compromise settlement agreement and release, which changed Georgia's absentee voting procedure outside the constitutionally prescribed format set forth in Georgia law. Okay, so the next question is, where is the resolution to censure the rest of the Republican Party sitting in the House and the Senate? Let's actually think about this for a moment. So we know that the Democrats went out there and basically operated the elections illegally and unconstitutionally. In fact, it wasn't just the Democrats. It was never Trump Republicans that went into that as well. We know how they used the coronavirus in order to justify basically changing all the election laws outside of the constitutional process to violate all their state laws passed by the legislature who is the only authority in determining the time, place, and manner of the election. After the election was conducted, all of this information was brought to light and brought to the state legislature, who had every opportunity, every authority to take action. They knew that their election laws were violated. They knew it was operated unconstitutionally. They knew there was a lot of irregularities, that court orders were violated, in order to eliminate and remove election observers, and they did nothing. Sure, they held some hearings here and there, you know, just to listen, pretend like they were doing something, but they didn't do anything. And now they want to come out and basically virtue signal. Oh, you did what? Oh, we're going to censure you. Yeah, where was that uh, censure or action? And by the way, if you're saying that the absentee voting procedures were operated outside of the constitutionally prescribed process in Georgia law, how then do you justify two things? How then do you justify the electoral vote? After all, your electors were selected based off of a process being operated unconstitutionally under your own state laws. And the U.S. Constitution states that your legislature was the only ones that could determine the time, place, and manner of the election. So how do you justify the electors that you sent? But even more so, just as important, 
you use those same laws and procedures that violate your state's constitution and violates your state laws in the Senate runoff election. Yes, yes, I know we go off and we talk a lot about how Joe Biden is illegitimate and unconstitutionally installed in the White House. But just as important, the Democrats having a 50-50 split in the Senate, well, that was achieved through an illegal and unconstitutional election process in and of itself. So the Democrats having you know, split control or the tie-breaking vote in the Senate is illegitimate and fraudulent as well. They use the coronavirus, of course, to engage in massive election fraud, where we now have a fraud in the White House and the Democrats' control of the Senate is fraudulent. And they're going to go out there and tell you that they're doing something by censuring Brad Raffensperger when all of the rest of them who are engaged in the voting of the censure did absolutely nothing. They knew what was going on. They, they did nothing to stop it. They didn't lift a finger. They basically just threw their hands up in the air and goes, oh, well, too bad. We'll just promise to prevent election fraud in the midterm. We'll promise to take action to stop election fraud in the next election. We'll just let the Democrats get rewarded for the fraud that they engaged in this time. Of course, that is always the promise that we get, isn't it, folks? That they'll stop the Democrats next time. They're going to let them get away with it this time, but we'll stop them next time. And next time they make the same promise when the Democrats do it again. Because it turns out that when you allow the Democrats to get rewarded for their illegal and unconstitutional behavior, they tend to do more of it. It's sickening. But, you know, they want to go off and now some of them are going to go and try and campaign for re-election. Oh, we censured him. We censured him. We did something. How about an impeachment? Hmm? How about you remove the Secretary of State? After all, you just said that he violated the Constitution, you know, your state's Constitution and the laws of Georgia. Shouldn't that come with more action than censure? Shouldn't that come with impeachment at the very least? Think about what he did. He entered into an agreement he had no authority to enter into, willfully violated Georgia's election laws, and what, you censure him, but no impeachment, no actual consequences. You censure him, and his whole plan is that he's not, I don't think he is uh, running for re-election because he knows he couldn't get re-elected. Folks, don't fall for this. Don't, don't fall for this, pretend like we did something from the useless, spineless Republican. Don't go off and act and think, oh, yes, they took action. They did something. Oh, you know, we can trust them. No, 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 no. They did nothing. They're giving you a meaningless show so that they can act and pretend like they have a spine so that they can try and convince you to vote for them in 2022 rather than, you know, a primary challenger that may rise up. And isn't it amazing? Isn't it amazing how the Republicans only seem to act like they have a spine, only seem to act like they're going to stand up and fight for liberty, freedom, conservatism, only when they're headed towards an election where they're on the ballot? And of course, if they're not on the ballot in that election cycle, then of course they don't do much of anything. They don't change. They continue to just go along and roll over for the Democrats. We need to get this addressed. We need 
a Republican Party with a spine that doesn't just act tough, but actually goes through and pushes back on the Democrats' attempts to overthrow this country every day. Not just when they're up in an election, but every day they stand up, they fight back, they undo the damage that the Democrats are doing to this country. That's what we need. And that's why I'm really putting into some serious consideration as to whether or not I should run for elected office. And if I do decide to run for elected office, which office should I run for? I have thought about running for the U.S. Senate to replace Chuck Grassley. Now, whether or not I will be able to do that, I'm in conversations with my wife. Uh, She's had some good points about why we shouldn't do that. Namely, she doesn't want to live in Washington, D.C. And me, I just don't know what the reward is for me because I would have to sacrifice time with my family in order to be around a bunch of people that I wouldn't be able to stand being around, all looking to stab me in the back. It seems like running for office, at least for federal office, is nothing but negative drawback. And maybe, maybe that's why we only get such useless pieces of garbage in Washington, D.C., or for the most part, that most decent people do not want to run for elected office in D.C. Some of them, although there are a few of them, that seem to be willing to make that sacrifice. I don't know, that is a pretty big sacrifice. Now, speaking of the fraud in the White House, the media, the media are dismayed that the Biden administration has been engaged in unprecedented assault on the media. Really? You remember how Obama uh, attacked the media? Now, this is not the same as Trump. You know where Trump actually just called them out to their face? No, no, I'm talking about behind the scenes with the Department of Justice targeting reporters, especially those that are unflattering to the administration, trying to seize their emails and telephone records and all of that. Well, the media is surprised that Biden is engaged in such actions, even though Obama was engaged in such actions when Biden was vice president. Hmm. Turns out when you get authoritarians into office, they act like authoritarians, right? And what's one of the first thing authoritarians do once they are able to get into power? They attack the media. They attack those who were key and essential to them getting into power. Because if those people become disillusioned, they become your worst bitter enemy and the biggest threat towards you being able to keep and maintain power. So they're going off and they're in the Biden administration, you know, that fraudulent administration and trying to go off and get records of members of the media in order to spy on them, to figure out what stories they're coming up with. Now, some of the reporters go, well, you know, Trump did this. You know, Trump tried spying on the media. Are you surprised? And the media is like, well, no, not really. You know, I was also spied on under Obama. So there's kind of this whole bipartisanship. But when you notice and you take a look at the stories and, and everything, You go through and you take a look at between Obama and Trump. Trump didn't just pull the records or find anything. He was actually trying to go through and get a subpoena in order to get access to some of the records of the media, email, phone records, that type of thing. But he was going through the legal process to try and get those records, going through the courts, trying to get a subpoena to have those records hold over. He wasn't trying to do it secretly. He wasn't just going through going, oh, well, you know, 
we're just going to tap in here, tap in there. No, 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 no. He was going through the courts to try and get a subpoena, which means he had to provide evidence that there was something illegal happening. And that's one of the things that we have to understand with the media. Yes, they get a lot of protection under the First Amendment, but that protection doesn't in extend to illegal activities and behavior. So what do I mean by this? Okay, so the media goes out there. I'll give you two scenarios. Scenario A, the media goes out there and reports things that are unflattering to the president, and he doesn't like it. They have some sources providing information, or at least they claim to have sources providing information, but the information isn't classified. It isn't illegal. It's just standard operations, you know, things that, you know, may not be public, but are not classified. And the person reports it uh, or leaks it to the media. The media goes off and reports it. And then, you know, the powers that be don't like it, and they decide to spy and try to obtain records of who they're talking to in order to get to who their sources are for an unflattering story. And the motive is retaliatory, retribution for unflattering stories. That is illegal corruption and abuse of power. And that should not happen. And that's how Obama operated. And that is apparently how Biden wants to operate. Now we take a look at another scenario here, the one that happened under Trump. And actually with Trump, there are two scenarios still. So I guess there's three scenarios, two under Trump, one under Obama-Biden. So scenario number one under Trump, someone is engaged in illegal activities within the government. They are accessing classified information and leaking that to the press, which is a complete violation of law. It's an illegal action. Someone engaged in that illegal action is using the press and journalists, or so-called journalists, in order to complete an illegal action. The press is being used as an accomplice to commit a crime. Now, the press has some legal protection against certain crimes as the First Amendment provides that it is their job to try and uncover whatever's going on in the government. And Trump goes off, doesn't access their emails and their phone records, but tries to go through the courts to get a subpoena for them and order to try and find out who the criminal is that is taking classified information and using the press as accomplices to complete a crime. Trying to find a criminal, that would be a legitimate function. Another scenario is somebody is feeding the press misinformation, disinformation, in order to attack the president, to undermine the administration. And they're using their official government office in order to do so. The perceived credibility of their position within the government in order to disseminate disinformation to the media for the pur purposes of trying to create an illusion of criminal activity by the president in order to try and get him impeached. Now, there is a word for that. We could talk about it being about insubordination all the way over to trying to pretty much oust the president of the United States using their official government office to disseminate disinformation. Now, one may call that treason, right? So there's a difference between going off and sending out unclassified information to the media in order to inform the public. It is completely different to steal classified information from your employer, the government, 
and hand it over to the media, or to use your official government office to disseminate disinformation targeting the President of the United States with the intentions of trying to oust or overthrow an elected president, not based off of crimes that they've actually done, but based off of lying and accusing them of crimes that they didn't do. To me, there is a huge distinction between the two, and I hope that in laying this out, that you are able to determine or be able to understand or see the distinctions that I see in this. All of this, all of this is to say, why is the media surprised as it relates to the Democrats that authoritarian tyrants that they helped get into office act like authoritarian tyrants? Well, what is so surprising about that? Why is that taking them off guard every single time? Haven't they ever studied history? Don't they know that the first target of authoritarian tyrants once they get into office is the very media and so-called journalists that helped them overthrow the previous government to get those authoritarians into office, into becoming heads of state? Do they not pay attention to this? Oh, I'm guessing not. I mean, take a look at the media. They're filled with idiots. So I just kind of laugh that the media becomes the very target of the people that they helped get into office by hook or by crook, that the media's personality's ego and overflated in sense of importance leaves them time and time again, no matter how much evidence there is, leaves them off guard, unable to comprehend that if they overthrow a government, they become the very first target. So I, I guess they're basically going off and designing their own demise, setting up their own mass slaughter, as we have seen in every other country where democracy falls and authoritarian tyrants take its place. Okay, so I'm going to go ahead and move along here because this actually starts to get funny here. When we talk about Kamala Harris, the border czar, the border czar, you ever notice how the Democrats give themselves communist Soviet Union titles? You ever notice that? The czar of this, the czar of that. What are we in the old Soviet Union? What's up with all the communist titles for everything? So Kamala Harris, as you know, has been appointed the border czar, and she is going to tackle illegal immigration. Mm-hmm. Except for illegal immigration was pretty much tackled under Trump. He pretty much solved the border crisis, illegal immigration, so on and so forth. We saw record low illegal immigration under Trump. Then Biden and Harris get installed into office, and the entire situation descends into chaos. It goes through, and we see you know, how the border has deteriorated. There's a complete crisis. People are back in cages, all of that. But Kamala Harris is going to solve the problem that she and Biden created. <laughs> okay, So as part of that, she goes off and goes to Guatemala because she wants to tackle the root cause of migration. No, they're not. They have no interest in what the root cause of migration is. We know what the root cause of migration is, why people are illegally trying to cross the border. This is no surprise. And yet the Democrats don't want to recognize it. They don't want to acknowledge what the actual root cause of this problem is. So they have to try and find a way to try and manufacture or make up a completely new root cause of the border crisis and try to solve for that rather than trying to solve what the actual problem is. Well, anyways, Kamala Harris lands in Guatemala, and it was not a warm reception for her. 
the citizens of Guatemala, and, and this is funny because you would think with the media's perception of how things were under Trump, that countries south of our borders would have hated Trump, would have been like, oh, he is evil, horrible, he won't let us in. You would think that. But it turns out, south of the border, the people of countries from which illegal immigration is coming from actually liked Trump. So when she lands there, she is greeted by protesters with signs that say, Kamala, go home. They don't like her. They don't like the Biden administration. Kamala, go home. And one of the favorite ones is Guatemalans holding up signs that says, Trump won, go home. Yeah, that's funny that even the Guatemalans are out there going off and saying Trump won and demanding Kamala Harris leave their country. That, that right there, that is priceless. And then she goes off and she wants to talk. I don't know who the president or the leader of Guatemala is. I don't care. But she wants to go off and talk to him. And there was an interview being done by journalists in which he basically, you know, goes off and says, well, you know, uh, the root cause isn't that hard to find. You know, you keep offering these people free stuff. That's why they go, you know, that and, you know, there is some, you know, poverty. Okay, I understand that. And the root cause, I would say, is twofold. There's only two root causes. One, their, their own government sucks. Their own government sucks at economic policy and have destroyed the economies of their own country. And the second half of the root cause is the Democrats keep offering and promising, hey, come to our country illegally. We let you in. We give you free stuff. And then you can get money on top of that from a job to send back to your family. Of course, you're incentivizing it. You're, you're basically telling them, come here and we'll just hand you everything on a silver plate. And the Guatemalan leaders go off and basically reiterate that as part of the root causes. So the leaders of Guatemala and the people of Guatemala are all saying the root cause is you know, uh, economics and the United States promise of free stuff. And Kamala Harris does not want to acknowledge that. It's just funny to me how the Guatemalans are telling Kamala Harris, go home, go fly a kite. We want Trump back. Even though Kamala Harris is basically going out there and saying, open borders, open borders. Why? Why do they want him to go back? Why do they not like Harris and Biden, even with open borders and the promise of free stuff? Well, it's real simple, and it can be uh, summed up in one line, which is stop funding criminals. That's right. The whole open borders and promises of free stuff is funding criminals. It's funding the cartels. It's the number of people who die on the trip to the United States, who either die because the trip is dangerous itself or are killed by the cartels that are being paid in order to try and smuggle them, who take some of them and then hold them up as ransom to the family to either pay more money to finish the job of smuggling them into the United States, or they will die. People are tired of losing their kids, losing their parents, losing their brothers and sisters, mothers and fathers. People are tired of them getting killed on the trip here, being killed by the cartels, being raped and mutilated by the cartels. People are also sick and tired of the cartels and the criminals getting so much money in order to do this and then using that money to further deteriorate the conditions inside of their own country. You know, the cartels, of course, they want conditions in Guatemala to be crap. 
because that encourages more people to rise up and leave and to make the trip to the United States and to pay the cartels to get them here to the United States. But they won't bring the entire family. And that's another thing. The cartels do not bring the entire family. They leave at least a couple members of the family back in the home country. And of course, they're supposed to send money back to their family members. Why? Because those family members are basically being held as hostages. While the person you know that was smuggled into the United States has a job, is able to make some money and send it back to their home country, the cartels are going, give us uh, that money. You owe us this amount of money. And if you don't pay us, your family member that you are thousands of miles away from now will suffer the consequence. They're the ones that will be killed. And then once they're killed, we may send a couple of people after you into the United States. And so, yeah, the Guatemalans understand that what the Democrats are doing is funding criminality, putting their loved ones in danger, and are telling them, no, you need to stop this. Stop funding criminals. Go home. And like I said, I love the whole Guatemalans holding up signs that says Trump won. But will the Democrats ever acknowledge in any way, shape, or form that they are the ones that are the root cause of the problem at the border? Will the Democrats ever come out and acknowledge that it's their own policy that is the root cause of illegal immigration? Well, of course not. They are in complete denial about that. And just to go through and put a fine point on that, New York, New York is going out there and they are trying to pass a new healthcare law. They want to turn New York into a single-payer healthcare system. And here's how the Democrats in New York are trying to market that. Uh, here is the audio. How confident are you that if this legislation were to be implemented, quality of care would remain the same or actually improve? Well, we know from this legislation that the New York Health Act offers uh, no co-pays, no deductibles, expands insurance to every single New Yorker, um, regardless of documentation. So the quality for over a million New Yorkers who are uninsured would drastically improve. And for people who are you know, dealing with in-network versus out-of-network who can now see every doctor, um, you know, their access would improve as well. Well, there you go, folks, right there. That is part of the root cause of the illegal immigration process, of the crisis that we are seeing at the border. Because what did we just hear in that? Hey, you come here illegally, and we're going to give you free health care, taxpayer-provided health care. Now, they're going off and wanting to create the whole single-payer system for everybody, but they're going off and say, you're going to be taken care of. We're going to give you all types of free stuff. And yet the Democrats will not acknowledge how this contributes to illegal immigration, how this incentivizes people to come over here illegally when you tell them, hey, even if you do come here illegally or undocumented, a nice euphemism, you're going to get free stuff. The government, the taxpayers are going to pay to be able to provide for you. They're going to pay for your health care, along with a whole host of other things. You know, you want to go off and address the root cause of illegal immigration the root cause of the crisis at the border? How about you Democrats examine your own policies and stop promoting and incentivizing people to come here illegally? It's not that difficult. It's not that hard to figure out. And because of this, because of the incentivization, that's why the cartels are making so much money, why people are trying to come to the United States illegally. 
And it's also why so many people in countries like Guatemala are sick and tired of the Democrats encouraging their loved ones to risk their life, put their lives in danger in order to get here. They don't care about riches. I mean, yes, they want to be able to survive. Yes, I understand that. But the people in Guatemala, what they are signifying on Kamala Harris's trip, telling her to go home, stop funding criminals, and Trump won signs, that's going to be entertaining for quite some time. What they are saying here is that they would rather be poor with their loved ones alive than to temporarily have lots of money only for their loved ones to die as a result or (laughs) die in the process of getting to the United States. (sighs) And of course, as reported by Just the News, as the border border crisis grows, arrests of convicted sex offenders also soar. So yes, what we are seeing here is not just people coming across the border because they're looking to go from rags to riches, not because of climate change. No, some of them are criminals trying to escape the jurisdiction of their home country, trying to avoid prison time. And so it's bad enough to tell people, hey, you know what? Just break our laws and we'll reward you with free stuff. But now we got situations where, hey, criminals, you want to escape punishment, cross our borders illegally, and we'll give you free stuff too. Sickening. And yet the media will always try and hold their water for them. The media will always try and cover up and claim, if you don't agree with open borders, you're a racist. Uh, They really need to get a new line. That one is really getting old, just calling anything and everything they disagree with as racist. Now, speaking about illegal aliens, the Pentagon is coming up with their UAP report, the Unidentified Aerial Phenomenon, that is set to be released soon. And as always with every government report, there are some leaks coming out, trying to give us a heads up as to what we should expect from the report. And what the leaks are showing is that people are going to be very disappointed because the government is pretty much going to say, we don't know what these are. Here's our report. We have no idea. They're not saying and they're not confirming aliens, but they're not ruling it out. They're not ruling the possibility out. So we're going to get a report that basically leaves us no further off than what we are right now with, yeah, we got all these things flying in the sky. They look to be intelligently controlled. We have no idea what they are, how they're operating the way they are. And so your guess is as good as mine is basically what the report is going to say. Now, if you've taken a look at my YouTube channel as I come through and I talk about the UAPs a couple of times, I pretty much said, that if you're expecting any answer out of this report, anything definitive, you're going to be disappointed. Because even if they had a crashed spaceship with aliens inside of it, and you believe the government would tell us about it, <laughs> good luck. But in any event, there, there are some interesting things, though. They're not going to c- confirm or speculate or say, yeah, this looks to be aliens, but they're not going to rule it out either. So I guess when it comes down to it, while we may remain skeptical, at least on this show, about the ideas of aliens and alien life forms and all of that, if the government at least, you know, publicly say they can't rule out that possibility, then I guess that's a possibility. 
that there is a potential that they are alien lives. And therefore, from now on, until we can get a definitive answer, you're not allowed to make fun of UFO people, people that claim to see a spaceship or been abducted by aliens or any of the other things that we have heard. Because if the government can't rule out that as a possibility of aliens, then we can't automatically rule out and dismiss all the people that have claimed to see UFOs, spaceships, and aliens. We can't just automatically dismiss them. Because now we have a report here that's going off and saying, hey, you know, it could be. You know, we don't know. It could be. So until they are able to come out here and say definitively, no, this is not aliens, I guess we have to accept the possibility that it could be. Now, through that, though, the conversations about aliens and UAPs and all that have hit the big major news network. Right? And so it's kind of interesting how this has gone from a fringe. Nobody talks about it. You know, it is Voldemort in the news for anyone who wants to be taken seriously to having actual discussion, full on discussions and analysis of the videos that have been released and of the possibility of alien life. And we're able to have those discussions without anybody sounding like a crackpot because the government is not able to rule out the possibilities of aliens. So let's go ahead and take a look. I got two clips that, uh, on this. And the two clips are coming from Fox News, where they go off and try to discuss, and with the host pretty much being skeptical, but the guest making some good points. All right, so let's go ahead and roll that clip and see what you think. Are we alone or not? According to leaked information, Intel officials apparently found no evidence of aliens being responsible for the UFOs recently spotted by U.S. Navy pilots. But it's also not ruling it out. Jeremy Corbell is an investigative filmmaker. He's been on this story for years. Jeremy, welcome back and good morning. Good morning to you. I don't know what else is going to be in this report. The New York Times gave us a teaser last week. What did you take from that, Jeremy? Let's start there. Yeah, sure. Well, that's the question. We now know that UFOs are real. We know that they're not U.S. government black projects, and it's becoming increasingly clear that these are not Russian or Chinese technologies because they, too, have UFO study programs. So that's the question. We need to leave the door open now to more exotic explanation. Okay, so in that clip, there was a couple of things that stood out to me. Of course, the whole, well, we're not going to go off and confirm that they're aliens, but we can't rule out aliens as a possibility. So, yes, I've already covered that part of the report. But if you go back and you listen, maybe you need to listen a second time. But all this talk here, oh, hypersonic uh, technology, you know, it could be the Chinese. You know, it's not our stuff. Everybody's confirming that it's not our stuff. You know, from uh, Obama, Trump, Pentagon officials, all of that are going off and confirming, hey, this is not our technology. We can't produce this. You know, maybe it's one of our foreign adversaries, China, Russia, which is scary in and of itself, because that means based off of the reports that on the speed and maneuverability, that they are at least a hundred, if not hundreds to a thousand years ahead of us and technological capabilities, which is scary in and of itself. But then you hear what, the, what was said there. Now, if true, that this is not Chinese or Russian technology, because they don't know what it is either. And they have their own UFO program. They have their 
own programs trying to figure out what these are. Think about that. So it's not our technology. It's not the Chinese technology. It's not Russian technology, but it's technology that is operating at least at a bare minimum, a hundred years more advanced than what we're able to do now. What country could possibly produce that? What country is, has any chance of being a hundred years ahead of us in terms of technological capabilities in aerospace technology, in airplane technology, in drone technology? Let, let, let's say it's drones. Who has that? If it's not us, it's not the Chinese, and it's not the Russian. Who could it possibly be? I don't know because we pretty much ruled out any country, and this may be a sad statement, any country that has the possibility if it's not us. Now, you could say, maybe we'll be surprised. Maybe it's the UK. Maybe it's one of the European Union countries that have managed to be able to do this. Okay. But then explain why they're flying over our military and restricted airspace. It doesn't make any sense for our allies to do that to us. All right. So what are we saying here? I don't know how to go about this. I don't know who else it can be. It's not ours. It's not the Chinese. It's not the Russians. What does that leave us? I don't know. And so you hear him saying that if it's not us, it's not our adversaries, then we ha and we don't know what these are, we have to actually leave the door open for more exotic explanation, the possibility. Now, the host, you know, having kept up online like everybody else, tries to offer a possible suggestion as to what these could be, an Earth-based suggestion. But then listen to the response and as you do, you may end up just as confused as I am, going from a complete and total skeptic to, huh, could there? You know, now just going from total dismissal as a skeptic to maybe there is a possibility. Listen here. They didn't say in that story, Jeremy, that it was an unidentified flying object. What, what they suggested, well, that, it, that it could be what, what's called hypersonic technology, which is a way to move it. Yeah, that's, that's move, incorrect. Well, hang on. But that, that's what the story said. And because of that, they suggested that perhaps the Russians or the Chinese, if that is the case and true, then we might be literally light years behind them and their technology. Right. Um, you know, that's a charade. These objects are not just hypersonic objects. These objects show stationary duration for weeks at a time. And also, this has been something that's proven to be going on for over 70 years. So if we're talking about technology beyond a thousand years from what we have now, who had that 50 years ago? Hmm. Where has it okay. been for 50 fair, fair years? Question, but Okay, so there's a couple of things in that clip that I want to be able to point out here. One, they want to go off and talk about the possibility of hypersonic technology that could be Russian or Chinese. But then they go off and they say, but that technology would be light years ahead of us. Okay, okay. What evidence do we have that the Chinese are light years ahead of us in technology? And if they were that far ahead of us in technology, why is it that we're the dominant superpower and they are not? What evidence, when taking a look at all of their other technology, do we have to say that they are light years ahead of us? And if they are, then why are they engaged in practices that are designed to be able to take our proprietary information and steal it for themselves, our technological advancements and steal it for themselves, with all business ventures in China needing to hand over technological information and patents 
and all of that to the Chinese government. And the same case could be made for Russia. Okay? So once again, we debunk the idea that it could be China or Russia because there is absolutely no evidence when taking a look at the rest of the country that they are light years ahead of us technologically. But there is another part of that that caught my attention when I was listening to it, if it's true. And it's not just the hypersonic speed that they are talking about. It's about it being also stationary, that it will sit in a spot stationary in the sky, just hovering for what he said, weeks on at a time, days and weeks. So it has the ability to travel at hypersonic speeds, which we are not capable of being able to do. But then it also has the ability to be stationary. And I'm assuming here stationary in the sky. So it's not just the speed, but it's also the maneuverability and the ability to just kind of hover stationary. Again, I ask you, when looking at China, when looking at Russia, when looking at the European countries, looking at any other country in the world, what evidence do we have that they are that far more advanced than us to be able to duplicate such technology? And why is it that we don't see evidence of that level of technological advancement anywhere else in their society? Like I said, the more and more I hear about this, the less skeptical I am becoming. And I know, I know how that sounds. You know, I'm taking a look at how it sounds to me and I'm like, really? I'm actually going to entertain the possibility of aliens? Really? But all of the explanation for what else these can be are not adding up. They're not making sense. They have a lot of loopholes in them just based off of how much more advanced it is than us. And I don't know. I'm becoming less and less skeptical. I still remain at a healthy level of skepticism. But for the first time in my life, I'm actually considering the possibility of alien. And as I say that out loud, I'm like, man, do I need to check myself into some sort of mental institution that I am now considering the possibility that these are actual alien ships? Wow. Now, I'm sure, I'm sure we're going to eventually find out what these are and that they are not alien in origin, all right, that, that they are, in fact, a secret U.S. government project that they don't want to tell us about. But at the same time, so much of this is being caught on video that, well, it's somewhat exposed. And so now they need to come up with some sort of cover story for what it is. Now, they don't want to lie to Congress because there are repercussions with that. So they're going to come up with a, yeah, we don't really know. Or maybe it's a black ops government agency and that those in the Pentagon and other military branches may not be in on it. That's always a possibility. All right. But I have a feeling here that somewhere this is going to be revealed to be some sort of secret U.S. technology, whether that is official government military technology or whether it's being tested out by somebody in the private sector. I don't know. But so far, all of the non-alien explanations seem to get debunked, you know, as far as, you know, its speed, maneuverability, and ability to be stationary. You know, they, 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 the reasonable explanations seem to be dropping out of plausibility. So that only leaves us with what we would at the moment consider to be unreasonable explanations. And that in and of itself is kind of a scary thought. I don't know. 
What do you think? Like I said, I'm becoming less and less skeptical, but at the same time, I, I just can't bring myself to believe in the possibility of these are alien spaceships. I will not allow myself to believe that. Maybe I am in denial about that. Maybe I'll be proven wrong, but I cannot bring myself to believe that that is the likely case. Okay, so I have one more thing that I want to get to as I get ready to wrap up the show, and that is we're in for some hard times here, folks. We are. We are. We're back to the Obama days of a limping economy, and based off of what we are seeing coming out of that fraud in the White House, the whole goal of the Democrats is to try and hold back and keep down the economy as much as possible. So there has been uh, information that has come out about Biden's policies, economic policies, you know, the whole infrastructure spending plan. And I had a whole clip that was going to go through and basically explain this, what is going on. But here is the basics, because I'm trying to keep this short enough uh, for uh, an hour or less long podcast. But the basics is Biden wants to spend trillions of dollars on infrastructure and call it investment. And as a result, he is projecting maybe 1.6 to 1.8 economic growth as a result of his investment. Yes, folks, the whole goal is to bring us back to the days of stagflation, where the economy is limping along, people are not receiving any wages, and prices gradually increase, increasing the financial hardship and burdens on the American people. Now, we know we could do a lot better than 1.8%. Trump proved that. Remember all the times in the Obama years they were talking about, you know, 1.5% economic growth was really good. That is the new normal. You know, that, 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 you know, there is no way to do any better than that. And then the famous clip of Obama going off and asking, what magic wand do you have to just make that happen? Economic booms. And then Trump gets into office, right? And he engages in good economic policies. And as a result, as a result, we saw a booming economy, economic growth that we hadn't seen in decades, wages going up, unemployment at historic lows. We saw that. We know it has been proven that we can achieve massive economic growth, that we can bring back the days of American prosperity. That's already been proven. Trump already did it. Trump already showed you the way. But the Democrats are back to the days of saying, no, 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 no. That's not possible. That type of economic growth is unrealistic. We're going back to keeping the economy just barely limping along where people have little opportunity, little economic growth or mobility. And that, and that all sectors of the economy are to be concentrated into just a handful of organizations. Yes, trillions of dollars to be spent for basically no return whatsoever, for no benefit in any way, shape, or form. And they're going to try and come back to us and once again try to convince us that that's the new normal. The days of economic booms are over. And we just have to get used to that. Well, no, it's only over while Democrats are in office because the Democrats do everything they can to hold down the economy, do everything they can to prevent economic growth. Because a financially prosperous nation 
a people financially independent of government is, well, it, to authoritarians, is their nightmare. Because it's hard to get people, to convince people, to give up their liberties and freedom when they're able to take care of themselves already. It's hard to convince people to tax the rich into poverty if everybody's seen rising income and can see themselves becoming one of those rich people. It's hard for the government to get away with just laundering money, taxpayer money, when people are financially prospering because financially prosperous people tend to pay attention to what's going on in government that affects their money. So they engage in economic policies that are designed to keep the economy down, designed to keep the financial pain and pressure as high as possible. Why? Because if you're struggling just to be able to afford the basic food, shelter, utilities, and you're having to work multiple jobs just to afford that basics, you don't have time to pay attention to what they're doing, which makes their job of robbing us blind a heck of a lot easier because we don't have the time to pay attention. We're too busy just trying to provide for our basic needs. And that's the goal of their economic policy, that you and me, we only exist to just barely get by and serve their greed, their greed for money, their greed for power. And it's a lot easier to take advantage of people when they're broke and desperate than it is when they are financially prospering and paying attention. So yes, don't expect the days of Trump's economy to come roaring back. Don't expect any real financial gains so long as that fraud is in the White House, because he has made it clear based off of his own report, it has been made clear that his goal is to restrain the economy, to keep the knee on the neck of the economy, because you're not allowed to prosper. All right. So that's it uh, for this episode. I'd like to thank you so much for listening in. Hey, if you haven't done so already, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast so you never miss another episode. Please leave me a rating and a review as well, and share this on social media so that other people can find this podcast as well. Thank you so much, and I will be back again soon.